Hello, everybody, and welcome to the views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well on this Wednesday afternoon as we are inching closer towards the NFL Draft. That's right. We're a week away from all the festivities starting next Thursday and continuing on Friday and Saturday, along with NBA playoff action. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about with the playoffs, all the series, with uh, games going towards Game 3, as we got a couple Game 2s tonight, with the Celtics and Nets being one of them. So, we're going to talk about the playoffs here for a bit. And speaking of the NFL draft, as we uh, as we uh, head towards next week, we're going to do our final mock draft here on the on the show. We're going to do our final mock draft sometime early next week. Uh, I don't know when early next week, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday, but we'll have that up for you whenever we can next week. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, excited to do this final mock draft and excited to see what unfolds on Thursday night next week. So we shall see and uh, keep on the lookout for our final mock draft next week. But with that being said, let's get on into what's going on with Debo Samuel and all these wide receivers needing new contracts. Uh, It's going to be kind of a, a, it might be a little bit of a shorter show, but nonetheless, we got some fun things to talk about here uh, with just a couple things. We're going to talk about this wide receiver market here that's really been escalated here with the contracts of Kristen Kirk and free agency from the Jags and Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. We're going to talk about that as we just got an update from Debo Samuel. Once out of San Francisco, is wanting to get a big contract extension. And there's some other guys that are on the list to getting extension, including DK Metcalf, uh, Antonio Brown, not Antonio Brown, AJ Brown, uh, and a couple others. So, Debo Samuel wants a new contract. Obviously, if you've seen how he's done in San Francisco in the Kyle Shanahan offense, with him being really versatile as a running back, as a wide receiver, and uh, how he really is their 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 offense. Of course, he wants a new deal. He, of course, he wants to get paid, and of course, he sees all these wide receivers getting paid this offseason. season. And Tyreek and Devontae, even though he's not on their level, it's like, hey, I want some of that. And so far, San Francisco has not budged. And he wants out. And so this is going to be something to watch as we head towards the draft next week. Is could we see a San Francisco, Seattle, Tennessee move off of one of these wide receivers and not pay them big money and take a chance on one of the younger guys in this draft because this draft is a really good, it's got really good depth at the wide receiver position. There's some good players up at the top. It may not be as good as a couple years past, but it's a really deep class. A lot of good wide receivers in in this class where maybe you don't want to spend a huge amount of money on a wide receiver that is not clearly not on the same level as Tyreek and Devontae and it has not have 
not has had the same level of production for a long period of time. So they there's an option to go with the younger route. And with Debo, it's interesting because, again, his versatility is what makes him awesome. But Guy's not really centralized at wide receiver. He's not he's not just a wide receiver. He's more than that. He's an offensive chess piece for Kyle Shanahan to use in his offense. So one thing with Debo is, do you think he can get the same production out of him in any other offense? Maybe at Green Bay where... Lafleur has some of the has some of the same Shanahan com- concepts, but not, you know, completely in that Shanahan wheelhouse with the way that offense is run. I mean, yeah, maybe. But with Debo's skill set, I think it's primarily with how he, Shanahan uses him in San Francisco's offense. I think it's going to be tough to replicate that in a lot of other offenses in the league. I could maybe see Kansas City maybe using him in different ways. Put him in that Tyreek role, even though he's not, he doesn't have that Tyreek-like speed. But just use him as a guy to, at wide receiver, hand the ball off to him on jet sweeps, let him run the ball every now and then. Not, I mean... I haven't seen that brought up, but I I could see I could I could like that fit if I'm a Kansas City fan. Might have to part with a couple of your first round picks or maybe one of them. But if you look at the offenses around the league, does Debo really match any of them? There's only a couple, and we just listed a couple of them that maybe maybe could fit. But for him, it's going to be tough. Uh, so we'll see what San Francisco does. And uh, if Debo does get traded, of course, we'll uh, we'll find out here. And I'm assuming we'll find out close to the draft. That I'm assuming we're going to find out if a lot of these guys are staying with these teams closer as we get closer to the draft. Uh, moving from Debo, we got DK, who obviously in his situation in Seattle is has kind of changed here in the last month with Russell Wilson getting traded. And Drew Locke is now his quarterback, and so now he's not playing with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And so now he's looking for an extension. I don't again, I don't think he's on the same level. I don't think any of these guys are on the same level as the guys that got extensions this year. But they're gonna say that and they're gonna say again, hey, I see all this money that they're getting. I want to capitalize on this. And with AJ Brown, of course. Concerns me. The positive news has been is that it sounds like both both sides are working on a long term deal, which okay that that eases some concern. But you're seeing what's going on with Debo, and you maybe have some concern about him wanting out, and that's possible. And I, if you kept up with the rumors with him and the Jets and like the Jets trying to make something out of it. I could see the Jets closely monitoring these situations and see if they can go grab somebody for their young quarterback and Zach Wilson. It's entirely possible. 
Uh, if you're the Titans, you need to you need to get this done before the draft. It's looking very likely that you need to get a deal done with AJ before the draft, so you can have it done. You handle your draft stuff. And you don't have to worry about it till after the draft. In which case, you might need to take a look at that wide receiver market in the draft a little bit more heavily. Just saying, hey, we could lose AJ. Uh, let's go get a couple wide receivers in there. Let's go get a, che- a couple cheaper options. I mean, if you look at the Titans offense, I just saw a headline yesterday that said the offense was one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive in the AFC on offense with Dan Hill, with Henry, with the Lawns contract. Uh, Woods is making a decent salary. And if you add AJ to that, that could uh, really change things quickly. So I think if you're all these teams, you need to get these deals done before the draft. If not, well, you got Debo. Maybe you trade him. Maybe you get a first-round pick. Maybe San Francisco gets into this first-round conversation, and maybe they get one of these teams that has multiple first-round picks, and they're in on the wide receiver market, and they take a guy there. Maybe you know somebody like a Drake London or one of the Ohio State wide receivers, or maybe they had Jameson Williams, who probably would be the consensus number one guy. On the board, if not for the torn ACL. I don't know. We don't know. You know, we'll just have to wait and see how everything unfolds. Another thing that's curious is I was reading up on some of this stuff. Is that, you know, all these guys, you know, Terry McLaurin's another guy. Speaking of Ohio State, just remind me of who that other guy was with McLaurin, you know. All these guys are going to look at what they're going to get. And, like, I think you probably, if you're the first team to hit a deal, you're probably doing yourself a favor because you're not going to have to go over what the first guy got. You, you would have set the standard for what this group of wide receivers is going to get. But, like, the thing that is curious about this is that Metcalf, Debo, and AJ, they all come from the same draft class. They're all drafted around the same round. And funny enough, they're all being represented by the same agent. Also the same agent as Mike, who who represents Mike Williams from the Chargers, who just got a big contract this offseason. So that's going to be something, that's got to be something to keep in mind with, uh, with this, is that they all share the same agent. Uh, so... That's something to keep a lookout on, but uh, this wide receiver market has just really gotten crazy here in the last month or so, and it's looking like there's no signs of slowing down at all <laughs> with the way these guys want to get paid. I mean, hey, I can't. I don't think we can blame them. Get what's yours, get paid. You're only in this game for a long amount of time. So, hey, go get paid. But uh, these teams are in precarious situations right here. And uh, I'll have to see. Another thing that could could be on the lookout 
before Debo is the Jets. I mean, you got the Niners connections there. Had to see how that offense would use him. I don't know. It's going to be a fun time. A lot. We got this. We got the Kyler Murray stuff going on. It's seeming like that's picking up steam. Uh, We got stuff with Baker and when he could play and where he could play and uh, could Cleveland keep him or could Pittsburgh snap him up? And it could be either be in for the Baker Mayfield experience. We'll have to see, but a lot of fun stuff going on during the during the lead up to the NFL draft. So with that being said, let's talk about the big thing that we're gonna talk about and let's talk about the playoffs. And uh, you know what? Let's just go to this series since I got an update about nine minutes ago. Uh as a recording this just got it pretty much as we started with the Brooklyn and Boston, of course, with game number two being held tonight after the Celtics took game one off a game winner from Jason Tatum. And right now, uh, Ben Simmons is the key story for the Nets as to whether they're going to get him. In this series, they've thrown around like games three, four, or five, sometime around that time range as to maybe when he could come back. And we just got an update for Woj. Um, So it looks like Ben Simmons, based on how his progress has been in practices, he's been playing in some four-on-fours. It looks like... According to Woj, Game 4 versus the Celtics next Monday looms as a realistic target for his Nets debut. And that is huge for the Nets. And for Ben, you're not looking for much. You're just looking for defense, for rebounding, for playmaking, nothing else. you got your two shot creators in KD and Kyrie. And you got some other guys that can get buckets and Patty Mills and Seth Curry you got some of them got score dragage. Maybe you go with a really big lineup and you put out Drummond and you have Simmons and Katie as your front court and you have some of those other guys as your back court with Kyrie and maybe one of Patty or Seth or something like that. Or Bruce Brown. So it's looking like Ben Simmons has a possibility for game four at Brooklyn. Nonetheless, next Monday, and uh, as we'll see how the rest of the series unfolds, but right now Celtics taking Game One on Sunday, and KD didn't play his best game in that game, and of course he got all the stuff going on with Kyrie and Boston with their past. So this should be a fun series. This should be a, a really fun series, especially with if you add the Ben Simmons factor in there, and that could. Really change things. You can put them on one of either Jalen Brown or Tatum and not have to worry about KD guarding one of them. Like all game long, maybe you can switch up a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's big news right now for the Nets. Possibility of getting Ben Simmons back in this series. And uh, of course, the Celtics also got stuff going on. Marcus Smart, the first guard to win Defensive Player of the Year since 95-96. 
So pretty much, while uh, while I've been alive, there's not been another guard to win this award. The last guard to do it, Gary Payton, the glove on those Supersonics teams uh, back in the day. So it, it has been a minute. I was not aware it had been that long since a guard had won this award. And uh, But congrats to Marcus Smart for winning this award. And the defense has kind of really changed the game for the Celtics here to have made this run that they did in the season. And, of course, with Tatum and Brown getting their stuff together, you really change it up. And shout-out to Ima Udoku, who's done a remarkable, remarkable job his first year. As a, as a head coach. So let's just start. Let's just continue out east. And let's talk about the other game too that's happening tonight. And that is Bucks and Bulls. With the Bucks with a 1-0 lead over Chicago. As they won their game the other night. And... I'll tell you what, the Bulls, even though they didn't get that good of a performance out of DeMar DeRozan, 6 of 25 from the field, 18 points, plus minus was a minus 5, really wasn't a good night for them. They were still somehow in this game. This felt like a this felt like a lo, really low-scoring mid-2000s type of game. Um, seriously, 93-86. Uh, Vucevic was a leading scorer for the Bulls with 24 points. Uh, he didn't shoot that well from the field at all. Giannis, just a crazy good game. He did wind up in foul trouble a little bit with that five with five fouls. So something to keep an eye on. But it says a lot for the Bulls that they were able to keep this game close as as they were with DeRozan not doing as well, Levine going six at 19. They were able to keep up with the Bucks as well as they did. I mean, I guess you also had in the fact that Drew Holiday went 6-16. Chris Milton went 4-13 from the field in game one. So, adding to that, and the Bulls still had a shot, even with their big guys not doing as well. So, game two tonight. Interesting to see if game two is going to change any thoughts about this series. So, Game two, that's tonight. And let me look at what the other game two is. I think we got, no, we have none out west. We just have the two out east. Okay. Um, Let's talk about a couple of the one. Let's talk about Philly and Toronto here for a second. As that, as that was a late game two. That was on Monday. And... So far, it stayed stayed up to what you would think it would be. As Philly takes a 2-0 lead back to Toronto. You're not going to have Matisse Teibel in Toronto with the vaccination rules over in Canada. And uh, so it looks like he's not going to get the suit up for games three or four. Maybe that impacts things. Uh, Game one for the Raptors, losing Scotty Barnes, uh, who's been one of the best rookies in the league this year. As a guy that's up for rookie of the year, you lose him. That's not going to help you at all. And uh, the Raptors, they're holding serve right. They're the Sixers are holding serve right now. Winning game one, 131 to 111 and winning game two, 112 
to 97 with Embiid. I mean, he, I think he might have my MVP vote. With the way he's played this year, this is definitely the guy you thought he would become. And uh, so far, so good for him right now. And so far, so good for the Sixers right now as they hold a 2-0 lead as they head back to Toronto. And closing out the East with game number two from last night, the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks. This was close for a little bit. Of course, I was watching Grizzlies and the Grizzlies playing the Timberwolves last night on NBA TV and flip back and forth between this game and that game and that game and uh, turn, uh, tuned into this one as it got and got late into the game and uh all oh, the Hawks are giving uh, giving the heat all they want in this game and Bogdanovich was having himself a good game uh he finished with 29 points and 12 of 18 from the field but Jimmy Butler if you remember Jimmy Butler from the bubble when he was just getting buckets as per one of his nicknames, Jimmy Buckets, maybe we're getting that Jimmy right here in, in this year's playoffs with uh, with this performance. 15-25, to 11-12 uh, from the free throw line. He had a lot of dunks in this game. So that's concerning, and obviously that's probably going to happen when you don't have Clint Capella in there locking down the paint. So that might be a factor, but the Hawks were still in this. Despite Jimmy going off, one thing that probably helped Atlanta is that Bam was not having a good game at all. Uh, He got himself in foul trouble, four fouls, nine points. He just could not do anything. You had your guys and Tyler Hero come off the bench, get you 15 points. That helped. Lowry did not have a good game at all. But Jimmy Butler just putting on an excellent performance in in this game. And the Hawks are in it. And the Hawks are in it due to Trey having himself a game with 25 points, 10 to 20 from the field, only 2 to 10 from three-point line. So, Got to improve on that. Bogdanovich, again, had the good game. But uh, if you get this version of the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler, I mean, there's a lot of talk a couple weeks ago. If you saw the scrum that happened with him and Haslam and Spolstra, like, is this team starting to fall apart? (laughs) It's not looking like it. It looks like Jimmy's rounding into form here at the right time. And now the Heat take a 2-0 lead back. They take it to Atlanta with games three and four on Friday and Sunday. So I probably should say when, uh, of course, Brooklyn game, Brooklyn, Boston game three would be on Saturday. Milwaukee, Chicago game three would be on Friday. Game four would be on Sunday. And then Philly, and Toronto games game three, of course, it's tonight. Game four would be on Saturday. So there's your East playoffs. Let's take a look out west and let's talk about uh, two series that had their game twos the other night. And uh, let's start off with Dallas and Utah. Of course, Dallas 
without Luka Doncic. That's a pretty big deal. And they, if they lost game one, 99-93. to 93. And Jalen Brunson's been a guy that's really had to take the front of the, of the load on the offensive side for Dallas with no Luka. So it's been on it's been on him for most of the series. So Utah goes into Dallas, wins game one, only by six. So it was still winnable for Dallas. So that that might be a concerning sign for Utah. And then in game number two, you got Dallas beating Utah one ten to one oh four, evening the series up. But Utah did what they needed to do being the road team, took home advantage. Now they're heading into Utah for games three and four on Thursday and Saturday with uh, a chance to take the series lead and it makes some headway. And uh, you don't know if Luke is coming back. Uh, right now the report is he he's uncertain for game three. At least that's what I'm seeing. And if you're Utah, you've got to take advantage of that right now. Because once he gets back, it's going to change things. It's going to change things for Dallas. And it's really going to be something to watch for Utah. But uh, in this game, too, Jalen Brunson. Again, again, the guy that's been shouldering a lot of this offensive load did it in game two. 41 points, 15 of 25 from the field. Having himself a ball game. And 6 of 10 from three. I mean, <laughs> That'll do it for you, including five assists, eight rebounds. Just had himself a game in game number two and pushed the Mavericks forward and them winning by six. So now this series shifts to Utah as we got games three and four this weekend. Next up, let's talk about Denver and Golden State right now. Denver looks a little bit flustered. And by Denver, I mean Jokic. Because there's not a whole lot of production going on outside of Jokic from this Nuggets team. You can really tell they missed Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. on this team. They could really use them right now. And right now, Golden State's looking really, really good. And Steph is coming off the bench. You got guys like Jordan Poole, who probably should have been a guy that should have been in the most improved player of the year conversation for that award. And you have him looking like another Splash Brother. Looks like there's three of them now. And of course you got Draymond and what that and what this team is doing right now. I mean, they are making the Nuggets uncomfortable. They're making Jokic uncomfortable. And they are just making shot after shot after shot. I mean, just looking at some of the stat line, Curry comes off the bench in game two, just pulling up game two, you know, and he scores 34 points off the bench in 23 minutes. 12 of 17 from the field and 5 of 10 from three. Was a plus thirty-two in twenty-three minutes. <laughs> That's absurd. And then you take a look at his teammates' stat lines in game two. 
Clay, 21 points. 9-19, 3-8 from the field. Clay's still looking like he's getting his legs under him, especially on the defensive end. But on the offensive end, the shot's still there. The stroke is still there. Everything looks good. But then Jordan Poole, his development has been insane for the Warriors. Adding another piece that can elevate this team a little bit more. Again, add him to the Splash Brothers. There's a third one now. Uh, 29 points, 10-16 from the field, 5-10 from three. Grabbed five boards, eight assists. I don't know how he was holding a plus seven, but he, there you go. And then also, I mean, you had in Wiggins, who was a freaking all-star this year. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation with Golden State going into this offseason. When you got Poole's contract to consider, you got the Wiggins contract to consider. Maybe moving off that. Wiseman, what do you do with him? Kaminga's looking like... A really good piece. Moody's had his moments warm. You got to extend Draymond here pretty soon. A lot of interesting questions for the Warriors outside. Once this playoff series for them and for postseason general gets done for them. Very interesting conversations. But it looks like they added another splash bro. And uh, they, they're looking terrifying right now. And the thing is, not a lot of those main guys in this new death lineup 2.0 that they're calling it, maybe it's 3.0, you know, because the one with KD, I think, was 2.0. But with this version, these guys haven't had a whole lot of time to play together. You think about that. They haven't had a whole lot of time to play together. Just Clay, Steph, and Draymond haven't had a whole lot of time to play with each other this year. But I'll tell you what. This Warriors team is looking really good. And uh, they're looking good at the right time. And they're just overwhelming the Nuggets, overwhelming Jokic. They aren't getting a whole lot of anything from anybody else. And they're really missing Porter and Murray in this series. And uh, so now let's take a look at two of the other series going on. Uh, let's finish. Let's finish with Suns and Pelicans. Uh, Grizzlies and Wolves, uh, of course, excited about this series to the young, to the younger teams in this postseason. Really fun teams have a lot of confidence, have a lot of swagger to, to the best scoring teams in the league, Minnesota, number one, Memphis, number two, you knew there was going to be a lot of high scoring stuff going on between these two teams. Game one did not disappoint that, but the Wolves, they come into game one coming off of their huge win against the Clippers. Make fun of it of what you will. They come in probably a lot of that off of that momentum and go into game one and steal it. Steal game one at Memphis. And, uh, yeah, high scoring game, 130 to 117. Job, while you take a look at the stat line, he said himself it probably wasn't the game he probably would have hoped for. And uh, Steven Adams just – uh was not good in this game, and we'll talk about game two, but they might have figured something out there. Dylan had a decent game. Bain had had some bad missed shots. Uh, but Minnesota, they're, they're two main guys for, this, for game one. Towns, 11 of 18, 29 points, 13 rebounds. Anthony Edwards was probably the real star there. 36 points. 
six assists, 12 of 23 from the field, four of 11 from three. There was a point during this game where he was not missing. He was driving to the lane, knocking down shots. And Timberwolves went in and stole game one from Memphis. And so now you you shift over to game number two. In which the Wolves probably felt like they had a little bit of momentum going into game number two. And first quarter. Longest first quarter in playoffs history with the amount of fouls that was called in there. I don't know about you all, but I have never seen so many fouls called in the first quarter. It felt like there, there was no flow to the game at all. You had a couple official reviews <laughs> in the first quarter. It seemed like everything was getting called as a foul. It just like if you just slightly graze somebody with your pinky, it's a foul. And of course, that prolonged the first quarter and eventually got done with it 33 to 32. And like, okay, maybe we can find a flow into, in this game now. And uh, Memphis had a good second quarter 27 to 17, pushing their lead 60 to 49. And that first half was really big for them. And then that third quarter, uh, there's a time where I think the Grizzlies were on a 25-9 run. And they were just making everything they couldn't miss. And a lot of it, a lot of the things that changed in this game was Stephen Adams barely played a minute in this game. And Memphis did the things they needed to do to win this game. Good field goal percentage, 478 they out-rebounded Minnesota after Minnesota out-rebounded them in game one. Three-point percentage is kind of a wash. They're pretty closely even. But the thing that probably changed a lot of things for Memphis was not having Steven Adams out there on Cat. And uh, Cat can exploit some of Steven Adams' lack of mobility right there and keeping up with Cat. Instead, you had guys like Brandon Clark... Kyle Anderson, Xavier Tillman, who came in and played a really great game. Probably didn't know if he was going to get in. Uh, but, of course, with Steven Adams picking up two fouls, thinking that it, was, it wasn't it was going to be a good matchup, Steven Adams didn't play for the rest of the game. He only played three minutes. Tillman played 21 minutes and scored 13 points, seven rebounds. Did a good job of rebounding, good good. Did a good job of defending Cat, who only had 15 points, 4-7 from the field, had five fouls, got himself in early foul trouble. They, the Grizzlies went at him. John went at him a couple times. So if you know a player's in foul trouble like that, go at him. Get him in foul trouble. And so that third quarter really changed things. As he had Ja had a really good game, 23 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. Did get a little bit nicked up there in that second half, but I I think he's good to go. I think he's going to be fine. Jaron had himself some big moments in this game. Uh, 16 points, 7 rebounds, had a really awesome putback dunk. Nailed a couple really timely threes. Bain had a decent game. Dylan, Dylan Brooks, not that big of a game from him. Uh, Brandon Clark, decent game from him. Tyus, Kyle Anderson, and uh, Zaire Williams. Man, I love this rookie. He He's not afraid of the moment. I'll give him that. And the Grizzlies rolled. 
to a 124-96 victory. And they head back to Minnesota with this series tied at one apiece. And of course, both these teams are confident that they can take control of this series. And the Wolves are no different. And they're heading back to Minnesota where they have not seen a whole lot of playoff basketball here recently. So if you're the Grizzlies, you know that crowd's going to be fired up for that series. And finally, let's talk about New Orleans and Phoenix. If I'm being honest with you guys, I thought game one was last night. <laughs> that kind of shows you how I, and how I just really didn't care about this series. It's Phoenix and New Orleans. I'm like, ah, it's fine. Phoenix is going to roll them. It's it's fine. So, game one happened the other night. Phoenix wins 110-99. And uh, you got game two last night. Which was, it had a lot of everything. Get Booker scoring like thirty-one points in in the first half. Him dapping up a baby <laughs> in the middle of a game. And I think probably if you knew that for Phoenix, that you got that big first half out of him, and really struggled to do anything in that second half. And of course, got got nicked up himself. With a, with a hamstring injury. And uh, didn't look too happy about it on the bench. That's probably when you should have known. Hey, maybe New Orleans has a chance to get back into this. New Orleans has been feisty. Scrappy. They got some guys on there that can play. Brandon Ingram. Had himself a whale of a game. 37 points. 96-11 rebounds. 13-21 from the field. 3-3 from three-point line. New Orleans as a whole, they shot nearly 57% from the three-point line compared to Phoenix shooting 37. So that is a huge difference for them. But this was also a game that went down to the wire. You probably expected the Suns to try to find a way to finish it, but the Pelicans just just wouldn't give this up. As C.J. McCollum had himself a good game. Herb Jones had himself some good minutes. Valanciunas had himself some good minutes. So did Larry Nance. Trey Murphy came in and knocked down huge threes. Alvarado, same thing with him. Just a feisty Pelicans team. And they even up this series one apiece. And head back to New Orleans. Now, I think the expectation is Phoenix is going to take care of business. And everything's going to be fine. And, you know, maybe this is the Pelicans one game where everything's just going right for them. We'll have to see how hurt Booker is. If you're Phoenix, you got to hope it's not something serious. If you're Chris Paul, who has been shrouded by bad luck in the postseason, you got to hope that this is nothing too serious. And we're all, and they're only in game two of their playoff run this year. And you got Booker already hurt with the hamstring. That's just Chris Paul's luck. I'm sure that's something you would say. He's like, again, seriously. But New Orleans takes game one from Phoenix, taking home court advantage, and they're going back to New Orleans. Uh, Speaking of CP3, going back to his old stomping grounds with New Orleans. So uh, curious how that will go. But New Orleans takes game two from Phoenix. We'll have to see how hurt Booker is as they head back to New Orleans. But so far, exciting few days. 
of NBA playoff action for all of us involved here. So I think that'll do it for us here. Again, only a, a, not too long of a pod here, but just a little something here talking about what's going on with the wide receiver market, what's going on with the NBA playoffs as we're ramping up in the first round as we head towards some some of the game threes of these matchups. So we'll see where things go as we we talk about the playoffs next week and uh, the NFL draft as well. Again, be on the lookout for something next week, Monday or Tuesday of next week, as we do our final NFL mock draft as the draft starts on Thursday next week with rounds two and three on Friday and four through seven on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that on the podcast feed where you guys get your podcasts. Be sure to go check out that feed early next week and uh, see uh, what our final mock draft is going to look like. So that'll do it for us here, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in to this pod. Again, find us where you guys get your podcasts. Be sure to go follow us, subscribe to us. Go follow our Twitter account at 573pods and keep up with the latest stuff from there. The entertainment channel as well. Keep up with that. We just did a big pod, me and Peter, talking about DC having a big overhaul with Moon Knight as we got a wild episode for this week. And Multiverse of Madness with that ramping up in a couple weeks with that coming out. And uh, as we try to make our way through the prediction pool and try to make our predictions as for as for a film that uh, I I don't think we really know even what the slightest of what's going to happen. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, be sure to go check out the entertainment feed and check that pot out. But uh, that's it for us here, everybody. So have a good Wednesday. Have a good rest of the week, a good weekend. And until next week, talk to you all next time.